Dog. Howdy, howdy. Howdy. And welcome to... But it was aliens. The extraterrestrial comedy podcast where we probe extraterrestrial encounters to determine whether these encounters really did involve aliens. Or on special occasions where we probe more widely paranormal events to determine whether they were indeed paranormal. I'm your host this week, Kev, otherwise known as Greybeard. And alongside me... With no idea what's coming up today is the person who calls me that, and his name is Granville Moonwalker. Now, today is a special occasion. You see, I've been listening back to our old episodes, and I've noticed that young old Granville here has soured over the months. I think what has happened is that we have covered so many alien cases that Granville doesn't believe that Granville has lost his smile. So today... That makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> so I don't believe that I've lost my smile. You don't see the sceptical bastard you've become. Um, oh, I, I think I have mentioned this <laughs> recently. So today I'm staging an intervention. <laughs> A case completely devoid of aliens so that Granville can just sit back, relax and go along with the tale. A true tale. Truthfully. So Moonwalker literally has nothing to call bullshit about. I call bullshit straight away. <laughs> you can't. I've not told you anything. You said a true tale, truthfully. Called bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I'm literally going to tell you a, a true tale. There is a place on the outer banks of North Carolina. Or Carolina. Called Ocracoke Island or Inlet. Ocracoke Island is famous for its shelling and its name, for Ocracoke Island is said to be named after its most famous ever resident, one Edward Teach, also and possibly originally known as Edward Thatch Jr., who would regularly drop anchor at the island. One day, it is alleged that Edward dropped anchor looked out into the vast expanse of sand, water and sea fog, shook his fist and yelled into the breeze, OH CROCUCK! And that was that. Island named. It's rumoured that this island is haunted. What are you looking at me like that for? So it's technically not named after him, is it? Well, something that he said <laughs> inexplicably. Oh, crow cock. Well, he said, oh, crow cock. Mm-hmm. They're clearly not spelt it the same way. Things change over time. Was it originally spelt the way it was said? Possibly. Possibly is not giving me a definite, <laughs> is it? It might be. Might be is not giving me a definite. Perhaps. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Give- calling it. You can't. <laughs> Because this has nothing to do with a tale at this point. The true tale, I may add. You didn't say that I couldn't call bullshit on anything or any part of it. Right. I'm, I'm telling you now, 100% straight up, this is true. Other than the very ending. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll just talk about when we get there. Because that's where there's some debate. Okay, I call bullshit on the ending. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> this is an intervention. Damn you. Queen Anne's War raged between 1702 and 1713. I call bullshit. Well, it did. 1701. <laughs> 1713. 
1702 and 1713, and was the second... I'm actually not sure about that. It, it, that probably was 1702. <laughs> ...in a series of French and Indian wars battled around North America involving Great Britain, Spain, and France. I'd just like to note, I'm probably going to be a dick during this episode. Uh, that's no change. That's exactly what we're doing this episode, son. Michael bullshit. <laughs> Some consider this to be part of the Spanish War of Succession, which raged between 1701 and 1714, though it was basically about control of North America, rather than who succeeded Spain's Charles II. Edward is generally accepted to have been a sailor aboard a privateer ship during this war, and was reported by the 1700s author Charles Johnson to have been unusually bold and courageous. The countries at war would use privateers to engage in maritime warfare under commission. The sailors were basically told to disrupt the enemy and you can keep the spoils, though a share would often go to those whom issued the commission. Pirates! After the war, Edward settled in the Bahamas on New Providence. New Providence had a fort, Charlestown, and Nassau, the capital city of the Bahamas. During the wars, Nassau experienced several incursions and had been burned down twice, meaning that Nassau was no longer under British control and had no governor from 1703 to 1718. History, biatch! So, privateers, mm -hmm. were they mercenaries or pirates? Mix of both? Well... That's hard to answer. Privateers were privateers. They were basically pirates, but legally. <laughs> so the idea is so mercenaries. That the crown would mercenaries say, go and do pirate shit, disrupt the enemy for us as part of like warfare. Okay. But we get a share. You can keep most of it. It was your job to be a pirate. Yeah, basically. Go and capture ships, mess them up, take profits for us, fund our war. You get to keep lots of it. Okay. So they had no British control, so no governor for 15 years. Yeah. Were they better off in those 15 years? Were the people free? It depends very much on your definition of good living, and we'll get into that in a little bit too. <laughs> Got an awful lot going up today, son, an awful lot. I feel like you're going to want think it's better. <laughs> Around the summer... Of 1713. Summer, summer, summer Benjamin Hornigold arrived yeah. in Nassau. <laughs> Hornigold, too, Hornigold. Had, had been a sailor and privateer, and after the wars were over, hundreds of privateers no longer had any form of livelihood. The Royal Navy was skint and didn't need them anymore. Nassau had an appealing prospect. New Providence was within the channels used by Spanish and French shipping. Hornigold brought about 75 pals with him and quickly they together established a rule on the lands. Nassau was proclaimed the Privateers or Pirates Republic. Hornigold was patriotic and in his black heart he was still at war with the French and Spanish, so Hornigold would attack those ships who would let the British pass, unlike others in the Republic. It's not known exactly when Edward turned up. His early life is shrouded in mystery, but Edward 
may have been one of those 75 accompanying Hornigold and he may have been from Bristol in England before his family moved to Jamaica. The name Thatch does appear in 1700 census rolls, though pirates did use fake names. In 1716, Edward was first reported to be amongst Hornigold's band of merry men. It's believed that Edward, an intelligent man who could read, write and communicate confidently with merchants, quickly worked his way up Hornigold's ranks and was approximately second in command. When Hornigold captured a new sloop, Edward was placed in command of Hornigold's previous flagship consisting of eight cannons and 90 men. Hornigold took the new sloop. This was a fleet. Together, they captured a brigantine, took its food, released it and told the captain to tell the authorities what happened. Hornigold's reluctance to strike English ships would upset his crew though. Hmm. You can understand at the time why Edward was quite useful for Hornigold. Yeah, yeah. this is a um, time when not would, everyone was educated. Yeah, why he'd be able to grow the ranks if, his, if he could read and write his abilities he could send letters he could communicate yeah he very could read very ledgers absolutely I'm trying to think of the word i'm looking for useful it's not the word i was looking for but let's go with it <laughs> useful <laughs> u-s-e-f-u-l <laughs> exactly what edward was <laughs> it's like an episode of sesame street <laughs> <laughs> Today, your words are horny, <laughs> gold, and useful. But how would you spell horny? In the terms of it being horny? This or your, in horny gold? This is your Sesame Street, you tell me. No, I'm calling bullshit. On what? <laughs> On the spelling of horny? So I'm going to spell it H-O-R-N-Y, and then gold separately. So horny-gold. Not... Okay. I'm calling bullshit. On the H O R N I G O L D. So, do you know what? I'm going to change it completely. I'm going to call him Horny Gould. <laughs> what would your pirate name be? Ah. Uh, Moonwalker of House Moon. No. Moon. <laughs> the scourge of the seven seas. If you see a ship coming towards you with a pirate. Standing on the side of the ship. Captain, with his ass out. Captain Bear. <laughs> Captain <laughs> Bear ass. <laughs> that sound effect was Mr. Moonwalker doing a little bum wiggle there. I don't know what my pirate name would be. What would yours be? And it can't be Greybeard. Probe McButt Smash. <laughs> You're giving us a lot of thought, aren't you? Long cock. McHonorable. Captain Evil. Evil is in Captain E. Ville. Yes. Your surname is Ville. Yes. Quite a nefarious name, isn't it? It is. You're going to think of about 12 different names in this episode, aren't you? <laughs> You're probably going to call me several. Captain Prick comes to mind. <laughs> if you folks your haven't worked your out. Your flag is a. <laughs> and drawn penis. We're recording this straight after the birthday episode. <laughs> Mr. Moonwalker is feeling the effect of his alcoholic beverages and has become somewhat aggressive. You'll find I'm being quite polite. <laughs> you literally just called me a prick. I do that all the time. So, Nassau. Nassau became an open air Las Vegas Prick. full of. 
tents and huts consisting of sex workers, smugglers, stolen goods and debauchery. Respite and comradeship for pirates to spoo their me Weasley guts up discussing recent plunder. Hookers and beer, baby! Nassau was the place where pirates were and the place aspiring pirates wanted to be. Around spring 1717, Steed Bonnet, a somewhat wealthy landover from Barbados with no maritime experience, was said to be having marital difficulties. Steed thought F this and left his wife and three kids for the seas. Nassau called to him. En route, Steed encountered a Spanish sloop and it was the pirate's life for Steed. So Steed, with his paid crew of about 50 dirty scoundrels, attacked. Most pirates let Spanish warships pass by and Steed was about to find out why, for Steed's Revenge, which was the name Steed gave his ship, the Revenge had its poop deck handed to it. A third of the crew was lost and Steed just barely avoided capture, taking heavy injuries as the Revenge fled. Steed's battered and unknown ship would drift into Nassau, seeking refuge. Steed would make his way onto land in a dressing gown with bandages all over. It must have been a frail sight and indeed, someone was watching. A tall man with a long, thick, dark beard would walk down the docks towards the ship, likely not able to believe his luck as this man's crew demanded to be led by a real pirate. That man was Edward, a.k.a. Blackbeard. Blackbeard, likely with Hornigold's blessing, would take command of Steed's revenge, including the crew, and teach Steed how to pirate. Steed accompanied a non-working crew member recovering from his injuries as he learned. Steed was basically bedridden to begin with, but he'd follow Blackbeard, learning from a real pirate. Success soon followed. Do you think this is the place where, is it Tartuga in the parts of the Caribbean uh -huh. was um, based on? Yes and no. I think it was, but I think there may have been a place called Tortuga as well. Oh, I think there was, yeah. but I mean, just the so, idea of this is what they claimed Tortuga to be in the films. Yeah, this was from sort of the main or the most esteemed pirate period and I'll give it a different name later on but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves so Steed is from Barbados right yep what if right your there, point, you're pointing at me as you say this there is a possibility that I am a descendant of Steed <laughs> it's a possibility I don't know your family tree my grandparents are both from Barbados do we have a picture of Steed I don't have one, but I can probably... Steed. Well, it's, it's going to be a drawing rather than a picture, isn't it? Because of the time period. You're going to open that up and it's going to be a drawing and it's going to look exactly like me. <laughs> With longer dreadlocks. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Steed! <laughs> there is no fucking resemblance. <laughs> Looks just like you, sir. So we have a... a a 1700s gentleman in quite regal attire with um, 
Oh, how you even describe that haircut? What you'd expect to see, you know, judges' wiggers Judge in court. Perm. Yeah, but it's Judge kind curls. of a brownie red colour rather than Mr. Moonwalker's dark black hair. You never know. <laughs> but no, you, you do never know, to be fair. Down the line. Exactly. Things happen. That could be great, 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 pop steed. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb here and say there's a good chance you're related to him. There's a good chance. Yep. 17th down generation steed. Got cocky, had his ass handed to him. <laughs> Gonna call my car Steed's Revenge. <laughs> That's awesome. Remember how Hornigold's patriotism was upsetting his crew? In the summer of 1717, the crew voted to displace Hornigold. Hornigold was sent with his ship back to Nassau and Black Sam Bellamy took over the flagship. Remember, it was a pirate's republic, so the power was in the group, not one captain, and usually there were no private captain's quarters. The captains slept with the crew. Every pirate got an even share of the booty. Booty! Hornigold would link back up with Blackbeard on the Revenge and the second sloop. The group would capture a ship carrying flour and another carrying wine with their free ship fleet, the Revenge, Blackbeard's Old Sloop and Hornigold's Ranger. The group then looted a ship called Betty, <laughs> Betty with more wine on the 29th of September 1717. Blackbeard's name started appearing in the news of the day and he soon added a fourth ship to his fleet along with continued plundering. Hornigold and Blackbeard would amicably part ways and Hornigold would retire, sort of, by December 1717, taking two of his ships with him as he travelled to Jamaica to take up King George I's pardon. The pardon was offered from September 1717 to all pirates to change their ways. Stop what you're doing and come forward by the 5th of January 1718 and we'll forgive and forget. Hornigold was granted his pardon in January 1718. That left Blackbeard with two ships. It's a trap! <laughs> we accept your pardon. They were fucked up. Off. As soon as they turned up, they all were probably taken to one room and all just slaughtered. So. As they started to get rid of pirates. Jokes aside. If they were captured during this time, they were absolutely fucked up. But if they came forward to accept the pardon and went to the governors who could grant these pardons, then they were accepted, no questions asked. But it's one of those weird things, though. Like, do you really think they would trust a pirate? We Well, <laughs> we're going to get onto <laughs> that as well. But in general, they did, yes. Either that or they thought, if they accept the pardon, we can then put them to work as our ship like captains well they just wanted them to stop messing up their shipping basically and then have them go out and fuck up everyone else's ships not ours and then they probably sent horny gold after blackbeard at some point blackbeard and steed fucked them up <laughs> steed's revenge came true so we will i'm on i mean <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll touch upon that later on as well i'm on board Gonna take my fucking civic type R called Steed's Revenge. <laughs> Go fuck shit up. Around the 17th of November 1717, 
Blackbeard's crew targeted a French slave ship called La Concorde off St. Vincent. Blackbeard fired a broadside and the captain and crew surrendered. Blackbeard took the ship to Bequia in the Southern Caribbean, where Blackbeard's crew unloaded the cargo and fitted the ship with about 40 cannons, renaming the ship the Queen Anne's Revenge. Queen Anne had passed away in 1714, replaced by King George I, who was German, and this, along with privateering in the name of the Crown and Queen Anne's war between the British, French and Spanish, may have slightly inspired the ship's name. This ship would become amongst the most famous and feared on the seas. Blackbeard would offer some of the slaves the chance to join the pirate crew, but they likely couldn't take all aboard while still function as pirates, so most were left on the island. It should be noted that Blackbeard's crew was at times said to be 40% African, which is about 70 crew members. Blackbeard appears to have treated all equally and many of his inner circle were not of a white ethnicity. These were free men. I would add too though, that if your choices are slavery or piracy, those pirates are looking pretty good. And whilst Blackbeard recruited 61 of these people, the other 394, as I said, were left behind and were later recaptured by the crew of La Concorde. I did see one account that said that Blackbeard may have later sold people himself, but accounts generally confirm that Blackbeard's crew were diverse and suggest that Blackbeard's right-hand man was formerly enslaved before joining Blackbeard's crew. Anyway, I digress. Blackbeard now had a flagship to strike fear into all and the crew to manage it. I mean, if your choices are piracy or slavery, you haven't really got a choice there. Yeah, that's kind of... I, want, I didn't want to brush over it because it is a debate to be had. And whilst we're a silly podcast, I didn't, like I said, I didn't want to make light of it per mm. se. Important to acknowledge, but most accounts say that Blackbeard accepted people for who they were and accepted people in his crew but i suppose we weren't there we can't be sure that he wasn't just offering it to the strongest people for example but he wouldn't have been able to take everyone with him because there, there was only so much space on a ship yeah. and to operate as functioning pirates and also you got to think of the loot the more people you have the more people that split with it's just not a but then at the same time i think he would have looked at the ones that he would have recruited and seen what they would have been good for if you know yeah. what I mean yeah like if you are big and strong you're more likely to be picked than if you were fragile yeah and weak, but what is generally and there are lots and lots of accounts of all this stuff what is generally confirmed is that former enslaved people were part of his inner circle so his favoured crew who he most trusted with his plans and whatnot. Mm -hmm. captured ships without killing yeah yeah literally it's a uh... <laughs> <laughs> he gestures you know to I? him. He moons. They see him coming. He literally just opens his arms and just goes, "You say," and they put down all their weapons. Oh like, shit! It's the beard. Take what you want, and he just walks in. And he's just getting he more and more powerful. Now he's got a deadly ship. I mean, it's going to be at one point where all they have to do is see a beard, and they shit themselves. <laughs> <laughs> And again, touching on some more difficult subjects, ships of this nature, such as La Concorde, they made very good conversions to pirate ships because they were open, because obviously they wanted as much space as possible for cargo. So there wasn't much in the way and they were easily changed to just stick cannons in mm -hmm. and become 
but they were also very fast ships, so yeah, it made sense. At some point around this time, Steed recovered enough to take back command of his revenge, and Blackbeard continued on his new flagship, one of the fastest ships on the seas, the Queen Anne's Revenge. The two together continued to plunder merchant ships for a time. There is an eyewitness account from former captive Henry Bostock taken from papers of the British Leeward Islands colony and written around December the 5th, 1717. This account describes Blackbeard, who captured the merchant sloop Margaret off the Crab Island coast near Anguilla as a tall spare man with a very black beard, which he wore very long. It wasn't just a clever name. Blackbeard looted that sloop for eight hours as Captain Bostock watched on before returning the sloop somewhat lighter. Other accounts describe how Blackbeard would light matches or fuses in his hair, giving a smoky and demonic appearance. Blackbeard would capture ships through reputation and fear rather than violence. If you saw Blackbeard coming, with all this smoke and fire coming out of what looked like his head, you didn't want any of that. It's like when you see those um, old cartoons and shit where pirates strike a match off their cheek or something like that. Yeah, it's all kind of based on this, yeah. I mean, that'd be pretty... not scary. Well, it would. You think you've heard of this notorious pirate who's looting all the ships around you see him coming towards you with fire coming out of him and like a smoky demonic presence oh shit son it's Blackbeard and we've just got a little picture here of him (laughs) (laughs) their eyes it's the eyes this picture of Blackbeard would look intimidating if he didn't have two tufts of hair coming out of the side of his head with smoke coming from them. So imagine a cartoon where smoke comes from someone's ears when they get mad. This is essentially what it is, but it's coming from his hair. Take that away and it does look pretty intimidating. So what you got to think, got, though... Sorry, go on. I was going to say he's got black hair, black beard, all kind of into one, so it's both long... Uh, obviously black hat, brown clothes. Pretty intimidating looking pirate, really, except for the uh, smoke coming Well, you from say there. that, what you've got to think is that he would have approached from distance and in the distance you're seeing flames in someone's head, basically. That's going to look a lot different. You see it in a cartoon or written on paper, that looks very different to True. what that looks like in real life. It's not good for people to be having fire... In Do you reckon hair. he had two bits of that he just kind of put some kind of wax in or something and lit it so that when he walks towards people like so, that, yeah. only that part. Some people say like. there's lots of different accounts of this and we can't be entirely sure. Some people say that he had matches in his hair, which I would say, how the hell did his head not light on fire completely? Others say that he tied fuses into the hair like this photo so they would burn and but they wouldn't flame up mm-hmm. which sounds more feasible but we don't really know for certain regardless a very clever man with his image very he was able to read and write so you would assume he has the intelligence and know how to strike fear into people absolutely oh steed During late 1717 or early 1718, Steed and Blackbeard would go their separate ways. 
In March 1718, the gentleman pirate Steve Bonnet was chasing a ship called the Protestant Caesar near Honduras. The Caesar escaped and once again, Steed's crew abandoned him when they met up with Blackbeard. Oh, damn you, Steed. This crew wanted proper leadership. Blackbeard heard their pleas and gave the revenge to his lieutenant, Richards. They were a fleet once more with Steed continuing his pirate education. Soon after, Blackbeard and his ghastly crew spotted a sloop named Adventure east of Honduras. Rather than fight, Captain David Harriot and the crew decided to join Blackbeard instead, accepting Blackbeard's man, Israel Hands, as the adventure captain. Then, another ship and four more sloops were captured. Blackbeard didn't add all the ships to his fleet though. More men meant a smaller share of any plunder plundered. On April the 9th, 1717, Blackbeard and his fleet found the Protestant Caesar, which escaped from Steed a month earlier. Not only did Blackbeard loot it, but they also burnt it down. It's not known whether Blackbeard was seeking this ship out in revenge for Steed, or whether it was a happy coincidence, but it's unusual to burn a ship down. Maybe Blackbeard felt protective of Steed. Blackbeard then captured even more ships, including a Spanish ship to which they took the crew for a period before releasing them unharmed near the Bahamas. By May 1718, Blackbeard's small fleet of about four ships and 400 pirate scoundrels was powerful enough to rival anything the British Navy could put together in the region. People became worried that the pirates would form a new commonwealth, aka an independent country. Blackbeard gave himself the rank of Commodore, probably purely to piss off and mock the Navy. Blackbeard then headed towards South Carolina. Here, along with Steed, Blackbeard would engage in his riskiest act yet. Ooh. Do you reckon uh, the, the captain of the Protestant Caesar was getting too fucking cocky? He was like, ah, I got away from fucking one of Blackbeard's ships. They didn't do fucking <laughs> shit to me. Well, he blah, got away blah, from blah. he got away from Steed. Yeah, one of his ships though. It wasn't Blackbeard's ship at the time. But he didn't know that. Well, he <laughs> knew it wasn't Blackbeard himself, but he knew it was one of Blackbeard's fleet. And then was like, ah, fucking Blackbeard isn't so tough. I mean, if he's got this pussy fucking going for him, poor old Steed. And then uh, Blackbeard's like, all right, fuck this bitch. Lights him up. <laughs> We're having you, son. So at the time, it was known like Blackbeard's ship was becoming more and more notorious, and it was known that the Queen Anne's Revenge generally travelled with a couple of other sloops, but they travelled together. They didn't. They weren't, didn't tend to attack separately, so it wouldn't have been suspected that Steed was Blackbeard, if that makes sense. Oh, not saying that it was Blackbeard, but he may have known. They may have known of Steed's ship being part of. Blackbeard's Steed was independent fleet. until this he happened. Was then. <laughs> <laughs> and then Steed but it takes a waft up again. It takes a while for pigeons to fly with the word. <laughs> Could have taken five months before they heard the news that Steed wasn't part of Blackbeard's his crew. His fleet. And then yeah. the bad word about the Caesar getting away and then taking the piss out of uh, Steed pissed old Blackbeard off and he was like I'll rain hellfire and brimstone upon you motherfuckers dog 
lit their asses up. <laughs> Controlling 400 pirates sounds awful. Like one pirate is bad enough, surely. But it's Blackbeard. <laughs> yeah. What do you think he's going to do next? I mean, it's his riskiest job. He's going to fucking leave the seas, isn't he? He's going to come away from the water, go on land. Dangerous move. Ooh. It's like, um, what's his name in parts of the Caribbean where he can only go on land once every such and such Is that Davy years. Jones? I think that's the one. And Will Turner obviously takes on the mantle, doesn't he? Yep. Oh shit, spoiler, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the story got, the first one is absolutely brilliant. I do like all of them just because I love pirates, but... It got, it got so worse, convoluted and the story is so jumbled at this point. I've got no idea what's going on. But, I don't know. Maybe he tried something on land without the uh, backup of his ships. Or he tried to uh, kidnap a princess. He took it to land or captured a princess. Fair news. You're not far off. Blackbeard's men were rumoured to be suffering from venereal disease. In these times, the treatment for a gentleman with VD was to inject mercury directly into the penis via syringe. Shiver me timbers! Back then, they thought that this would cleanse and purge the body of bad shit. Now today we know that this would have resulted in mercury poisoning, but back then, well, they knew this too actually, but this didn't outweigh the benefits in their eyes. In reality, we know that mercury causes neurological problems and memory loss, lung damage and digestive damage, as well as difficulties people historically probably attributed to syphilis. People also inserted mercury straight up the arse, by the way. (laughs) Straight up the bum. But anyway, Blackbeard performed a blockade of the entire port of Charlestown, raiding every ship that would come and go through the port. Some say that Blackbeard originally wanted Richards, but there weren't as much as believed there, but most agree that Blackbeard did this to force the governor of South Carolina to source medical treatment for Blackbeard's crew. They needed their dicks fixed. (laughs) Blackbeard actually captured many prominent Charlestown citizens in one of the ships and put them up for ransom in exchange for that medicine. Blackbeard said that he'd kill them all if he didn't get the meds. The governor agreed and two pirates were sent along with a gentleman to collect the medication supplies. Blackbeard moved his fleet closer to land and three days passed. The pirates didn't return. A note from the gentleman arrived, saying that the ship with the supplies had capsized, delaying the delivery. Blackbeard waited a few more days before rallying the crew, moving eight ships directly into the harbour, which caused chaos. Finally, the two pirates returned. It turned out they'd just been getting drunk all week and the gentleman couldn't locate them. Pirates, (laughs) eh? After the six-day ordeal, Blackbeard released the prisoners and departed with Damn their dick medicine. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you think Blackbeard done to the two pirates that fucking caused all that shit? Probably laughed. <laughs> pirates. Yeah, probably, to be honest. As long as none of his own men died in that time. It's not reported, yeah. So, yeah. He'd probably be like, you fucking little scoundrels. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, he probably gave him a slap on the wrist Yeah, and put him in the crow's nest for a week or some shit 
Well, Billy's dick was hanging off by this point, <laughs> although that's probably still more pleasant than having mercury injected into it. Oh. But, again, he didn't kill anyone. Yeah, Let yeah. Go. he threatened to, but he didn't harm us, didn't harm a hair on their bodies, yeah. Do we have any evidence of him actually harming people? At this point, no. Okay. Because it's like, at this point, do you think people are like, I keep saying he's going to do this shit, but he's not doing it. Yeah. And someone's just going to test him. So, yeah, at this point, this man is becoming the most feared person on the seas, yet he's not actually harmed anyone. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? It's all on image alone. Blockade in a whole town is pretty bonkers, though. That is mad. But I suppose back then there's probably only one way into a town and one way out, isn't there? Oh, yeah, but it's more like that could happen today, theoretically. Pirates could come into true any docks and block it off. But at some point, the <laughs> the military and the Navy are getting wind of this, aren't they? And they're going to react. This is actually where we're going to have to leave it for today because Blackbeard's tale, it turns out, is a two-parter. There's just too much to get through in a single episode. That means no summary today. You'll have to tune in to next week's episode to learn the truth about Blackbeard's tale and how this relates to Blackbeard's hole. This also means that next week's summary is going to be about 30 minutes long, but sod it because I love pirates, savvy! Thank you for listening to But It Was Aliens. This episode has been a little bit more in line with what we do over at patreon.com forward slash but it was aliens because there each month we probe a non-alien paranormal tale to determine whether this tale really was paranormal it's good to have a break from the aliens and somewhat surprisingly we have somehow become less skeptical on patreon on the note of scepticism, if you disagree with our conclusions, you can let us know over at Facebook, where there is a But It Was Aliens page linked to our private public secret group you should tell everyone about called Extraterrestrial Towers, where we can discuss cases, and by discuss cases I mean send memes. Or you can probe us on the Twitter, on the Twitter, at But It Was Aliens. All these links are in our episode notes. We love hearing from everyone, but if we don't, until next time, is it really possible to wake up halfway through a dream? Yes. But then the dream is over, so it's not halfway through, is it? But then if you go back to sleep and it continues, you're halfway through. That's a new dream. It's not a new dream. It's a continuation. And by the way, you best start believing in ghost stories, Moonwalker. You're in one. The truth is up there. Hashtag Proba. That's probably one of the greatest lines from that film. From any film. Debatable. <laughs>